evidence and answers. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. We've all heard that saying. Biblically, it's a very truthful observation. The enemy comes as an angel of light, scripture tells us. So as Christians, how do we watch for the wolves that seek to divide the church? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will be sharing a recent sermon he did entitled, Watching Out for the Wolves. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Dr. Pat Zucran with today's message. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. We're going to go through Romans chapter 16. Well, today I want to address one of the most devastating forces that can wreak havoc on any church or fellowship of believers and on the lives of every individual. That's why Jesus gave us a very stern warning in Matthew chapter 7. He said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. All right. Wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, they look like Christians. They act like Christians. Right. But he said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. What did he mean by their fruit? It's not only their lifestyle, but the things that they are teaching. False teachers and false teachings is one of the most devastating things that can destroy a fellowship of believers and individual Christians. And as we enter the last days, there is going to be a tremendous rise in false teaching coming from within the church. You're going to see apostasy and false teaching growing like you've never seen before. And today, there is an incredible rise of false teaching that has arisen like we have never seen before in church history. When I'm speaking, just this past one, I spoke in L.A., Monterey, and then in San Jose. 80% of what I'm speaking on is confronting false teaching that has arisen within the church. Over half the New Testament, Paul is defending the faith against false teachings that has threatened the life of believers and the church. That's why Jesus gives us such a stern warning. And as we get closer to the return of Christ, we are going to see an increase in false teaching. And that's what we see today. My professor at Dallas there, J. Dwight Pentecost, said this. Abundant evidence on every hand shows that men are departing from the faith. Not only do they doubt the word, they openly reject it. This phenomenon has never been as prevalent as today. In the period of church history known as the Dark Ages, men were ignorant of the truth. But never was there an age when men openly denied and repudiated the truth. This open, deliberate, willful repudiation of the truth of the Bible is described in Scripture as one of the major characteristics of the last days of the church on earth. Hey, I spent a lot of time identifying and refuting false teaching, and so did Paul. And today, in the last chapter of Romans, he's writing to a young group of believers there in Rome who he has not visited before. He hopes to visit. And in his final words in chapter 16, he's giving them a final exhortation in how to identify and how to deal with false teachers and false teachings. Okay? It's critical because when false teachings enters a church, it has a devastating effect on the body of Christ. And so we must be able to identify the activity 
of false teaching and false teachers. All right? So Paul begins in verse 17 with these words. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. Now, the term I urge you is a strong exhortation. Paul is saying, I appeal to you. I implore you. I beg you. It's a strong word of exhortation. He's giving an urgent warning to a very significant threat here. And he says, watch out for those who cause divisions. False teachers and false teachings cause division in the body of Christ. That's the fruit of false teachings and false teachers when they enter the body of Christ. It causes division. Love alone does not build unity in the body of Christ. Love and truth go hand in hand. You need both. You need both. All right? And it's hard to have a balance of both, right? Some churches can be strong in truth but lack love. Some churches can be strong in love but lack strong Bible teaching. Because the Bible says we're united in what? Heart and mind. Love and truth go hand in hand. They go together. Okay? So love alone doesn't build unity. Jesus was the most loving man in the world. But what happened to him? They put him on the cross. Paul is a, uh, wrote 1 Corinthians 13, yet how many people persecuted his message? All right? So love and truth go hand in hand. And the fruit of false teaching is that they cause division in the body of Christ. Then he says here, they put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Put obstacles there. Paul uses this in the book of Romans to refer to a spiritual problem that has potential to leading to ultimate eternal condemnation. In other words, false teachings divide the body of Christ and lead people away from the truth of the word of God and begin introducing a different kind of a gospel. So Paul commands the Christians to stay away from them. Today, we see a rise in false teaching that has threatened the body of Christ, not only here in the U.S., but throughout the world. Pastor David Jeremiah, one of my favorite preachers, I have the privilege of Evidence and Answers, is the show that precedes David Jeremiah on Turning Point. Not only here in Hawaii, but in the Philippines, too, where we air. So it's great to precede him because everyone who's you know, waiting to hear him sometimes tunes in early and gets to hear us. So anyway, David Jeremiah said this great Bible teacher. You ought to listen to his show or read his stuff. Anything he produces is outstanding. He says two groups then are vying for our minds, but with the same end in view, liberal scholars who take the Bible away from us. They deny the authority and inspiration of scripture. And those who hold to the experiential view would take us away from the Bible. Those who emphasize experience over the Bible. He says Satan isn't just given to one approach. If he can't take the word of God away from us by undermining its authority, he'll take us away from the word of God by giving us another basis of authority. Satan has developed just such a substitute, and it seems to have a great attraction for many people. It's called experience. People become so wrapped up in their spiritual experience that they no longer look to the word of God for their authority. Their experience becomes the determining force in their lives. And I have seen both at work wreaking havoc in churches and in the lives of believers in Hawaii and throughout the world. One of the first churches that I pastored in was a Taiwanese church. 
And so the Taiwanese side, I didn't know what was going on because they spoke Taiwanese. I was the English pastor. I had the English side. But the church had gone through three splits in 10 years. All right. So you knew something was wrong. And I realized what the problem was when they wanted to join a denomination that was pro-gay marriage. They ordained gay homosexuals. They're pro-abortion and deny the authority of scripture. And I said, well, I can't join this denomination. I'm going to have to leave. All right. And the church there, the pastor brought me in and he said, okay, why can't you join this denomination? I said, well, it's clear here. They deny central tenets of the Christian faith. And he said, what's wrong with that? I said, do you deny the authority and inspiration of scripture? He goes, well, what do you mean by inspiration? I knew right away. He did not hold to those two. He goes, look at all the mistakes in the New Testament. Look at all the mistakes in the Old Testament. I said, those aren't mistakes. I said, you've got the wrong interpretation there. Okay. And so right away, I knew what the problem was. He was liberal and teaching, undermining the authority of scripture. Liberals deny miracles in the Bible. They deny the inspiration and authority of the scripture, Pauline authorship, the historical accuracy of the gospel, on and on. And so he wasn't teaching them Bible. And so therefore, they were a very weak and immature congregation. Okay? And that's why they kept fighting with each other. I remember walking into service, and I, of course, go to the English side, but I saw what was going on in the Taiwanese side, and the lady was running around the church saying something Taiwanese and pointing to people going, Satan, Satan, something, Satan, 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 and running around. And I was like, Lucifer, Lucifer has arrived. So I went to the English side, and I said, Lucifer, Lucifer has arrived. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't know. He's in the main sanctuary somewhere. So they went in and kind of looked and, you know, they kind of told me what was going on and it was ugly. Okay. But they had gone, they went through one, a fourth split when I was there. All right. But when you undermine the authority of God with liberal teaching like that, that's what you're going to get. Okay. A very immature kind of congregation. There's very few Christian colleges and seminaries that I can recommend today because most of them have been undermined by liberal teaching. And also when we, bring experience above the word of God, then we also run into that danger as well. There was a church that I was a part of early on in my Christian life that departed from the teaching of the word. The pastor began to depart from the teaching of the word and focus more on experience, on visions and dreams and, and messages, divine revelation. He said he was getting from God. Often it seemed to contradict the word of God. And as I talked to him through this, one you, you knew he, you know, he was mad at me. And one day on the pulpit, he said, Bible knowledge has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. It has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. And I knew something was wrong. Well, he taught, you know, that there is divine revelation outside the Bible. And he was getting it, right? So in other words, don't question him, okay? And he taught practices and forms of healings and prayers and miracles that contradicted the Bible. I remember one day... Right after the service, a guy in the pew started shaking and convulsing out of control. Just <laughs> shaking, shaking, like he was having an epileptic seizure. So I went over and I thought, geez, we call 911? What's going on? And the pastor said, it's a miracle of God. It's a miracle. The Holy Spirit is upon this man. It's a miracle of God. And he's just shaking. And I said, brother, can you talk? Can you say something? And he couldn't. He's just shaking and convulsing, completely out of control. Then after about, you know, 10 minutes, it stopped. And they began praising God. A great miracle had occurred. And I said, guys, I hate to throw cold water on this, but where do we find that in the Bible? When the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, they shake and convulse out of control like that. In some kind of what looks like an epileptic seizure and barking like a dog and whatever. I said, where do we find that in the Bible? You know, and they were quiet. I said, I see that at rock concerts. 
You know, when Elvis touches a girl or a guy, they just shake and convulse out of control. I see it at Beatles concerts. I see it in the Hindu temples, you know. I see it in places where they're high on drugs. You know, I said, I don't know if we can call this a miracle. I don't see it. In, whenever the Holy Spirit anoints a person, it empowers them for ministry. To read through the Old and New Testament. When the Holy Spirit comes upon someone in a special way, it empowers them for ministry to God. They don't go shaking and convulsing out of control. Right? Well, eventually, that kind of teaching split that church. And, you know, the pastor eventually was asked by the denomination to leave. But that church it wreaked havoc in that church. And to this day, they're still suffering, even though it's been years later, still suffering from the consequences of that kind of false teaching that entrenched and took a hold of that church. So our life application is this. Be on watch for false teaching and false teachers. All right. They're going to abound and grow as the day comes near. Shepherd is always watching out for wolves. Wolves never disappear. They're always around and they'll come to an unsuspecting flock. Recognize the fruits of false teachers and false teachings. When you see someone dividing the body of Christ, that's a fruit of false teaching. And know the crippling effects of false teaching, what it has on the life of believers and on the body of Christ. Now, that's the fruits or the activity of the wolves. What's the motivation of the wolves? Well, Paul says this, For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by their smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. The motivation of these false teachers is not a sincere motive to serve Christ. It says, serving their belly, Paul says, and refers to their desire to fulfill their fleshly desires. Pride, fulfill their ego, to gain a following behind them. And there's a self-serving motive to make a name for themselves. And Paul says their method is this. That's their motivation. This is their method. They deceive with smooth talk. In other words, eloquent words and speeches and flattery. They deceive by means of false praise. And their prey It's on the naive. And the Greek word here, when it says naive, it pertains to those unsuspecting or naive with regard to possible deception. So it can be translated, they prey on the minds of people who do not suspect lies. Now, if you study wolves and the attack pattern of wolves, They will follow a herd for days, sometimes weeks, and just encircle the herd in hiding and just follow them as they go along. What they're looking for is the vulnerable, the old, the injured, and the weak. Okay, That's the prey that this pack is looking for. And when they find them and zero in on them, then when they attack, they scatter the herds try to isolate the weak and the vulnerable and then they go in and attack the injured the old or the weak and that's exactly the pattern of false teachers they may come in and observe a body of believers and they're looking for the weak they're looking for the naive they're looking for the vulnerable they'll take their time and when they find them they'll move in i talked to a guy who was a salesman all right selling questionable products And he said, I can spot a sucker as soon as I walk in the dining room. He got that good. And he said, the same thing happened in the church. I can spot him right in the church right away. Now, if a salesman can do that, a good false teacher 
can find his prey quite quickly. And I've seen that over and over and over again. That's the attack pattern of the wolves, and that's the pattern of false teachers. So our life application is this. Don't be a prey for the wolves. Don't be the prey or the naive. All right, those who are not biblically grounded in God's word, okay, or who are not plugged into a strong body of believers, they are the prey. They're easy prey for the false teachers. Statistics show us 80% of those who end up in the kingdom of the cults come from Christian church backgrounds. Why? They weren't grounded in the truth, and they weren't plugged into the body of Christ. So it's every believer's responsibility to develop wisdom by studying God's word. If you're completely dependent on what the pastor is teaching you, if you're not going to study the word of God, then you're completely dependent on what the pastor says. You're in a very vulnerable position. All right. And we have seen pastor after pastor after pastor deviate and go down some dangerous paths. And the body of Christ follows right along. It's the duty of every believer to be grounded in the word and attain wisdom to discern truth from error. Because many times a false teacher may be right in the pulpit. So every believer must know truth and be able to identify error. And the exhortation Paul gives here, protecting from the wolves, he gives us how to do so. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The Roman Christians had a great reputation for being obedient to the teachings of Christ and innocent from evil or a, a holy group that did not have too many problems with sin. However, false teachers are masterful in deceiving the innocent. And Paul wants them to combine their innocence to evil with wisdom, the ability to discern truth from error. And Christians must develop the ability to discern truth from error and from false teachings. When you do, you got a group that is strong in love and strong in truth. That's one that cannot be divided. All right. That's a strong body of believers there. You know, at the church I attend uh, that I was a member of, it's a solid biblical church. And there arose from amongst the midst a prophet of God. Well, he claimed to be a prophet. All right. Self-proclaimed prophet. He came in with the authority of giving divine revelation, the divine prophet. And he began denouncing the teachings of the senior pastor as false teachings and as a false teacher. And I said, I wasn't there when this was going on, but uh, they were telling me about it. And I said, okay, what false teaching is he addressing? And he said, well, this, 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 you know. And I said, I know Pastor Rick. He's pretty solid on that. I said, what's this guy's issue? And he said, well, he's received divine revelation from God, and God has told him this. I said, well, we'll have to, you know, talk with him and address it. Well, it didn't stop there. He sent an email to everyone in the congregation saying, this is where the pastor is, teach is, is teaching what is false teaching. And we need, you know, renounce this false teaching. And he started a Bible study group and all this to take people in the congregation and divide the congregation and turn them on the senior pastor and the leadership. Well, fortunately, okay, the leadership there was grounded in the word of God and confronted this threat right away, knew that he was not a prophet. And one of the fruits of false teaching is what? They caused division in the body of Christ. That's exactly what he was doing 
going past the elders and writing this email to everyone trying to gain some kind of following. And eventually, they had to remove him from the congregation. And fortunately, the congregation was grounded in the Word of God and saw that his accusations were not rooted in the Word of God and baseless as well. And so the threat was removed with minimal harm to the individual believers and the body of Christ there. Now, he still Facebooks and emails everyone denouncing the false teaching of that pastor in the church and things like that. But that threat is pretty much gone and minimalized because the people knew the Word of God and the leadership understood how to handle the threats of false teachers and false teachings. That's what you get when you got a congregation strong in love and biblically based. It's a tough combination to have. Few churches have them, but that's the combination we're looking for, truth and love. When you got a congregation strong on both, that's a strong church there. Our life application then is this. Building and keeping unity requires more than love. Every person has to know and be grounded in biblical truth and biblical theology. If we're going to be united in heart, And mine, we've got to have love and truth together. Elders and deacons, Acts chapter 20, Titus 1, 9, it's the duty to protect the flock from false teachers and false teachings. One of the requirements of an elder or leader of the church says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. When you're looking for leadership in the church, that's the kind of people that you are looking for. One of their duties is to defend the flock from the false teachings that come upon it. Okay, but not only the leadership, every believer, it's all of our responsibility to know the word of God. Second Timothy 2:15, show yourself approved, a workman who's not ashamed, able to handle the word of God accurately. That's a command given to all of us in the Bible. Now, Paul ends his exhortation here in the book of Romans with a great victory promise here from the word of God. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In the end, Christ and truth are victorious. And a body of believer grounded in the love of God and in his truth is victorious over the enemy. So remember the threat of false teaching and the way we protect ourselves is not only being in the love of Christ, okay, but being grounded in the truth of God's word. And when you got those two, you've got an unbeatable combination and you're going to have a dynamic and great fellowship of believers, a unity, that a bond that cannot be broken. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for your teaching. May we value the truth of your word. May each of us study diligently, be grounded in your word, but also balance that with the spirit of love. And may that combination prevail here in this church and in all churches that call upon the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, our time has come to a close. We're so grateful that you've been able to join us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. 
If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please partner with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. Be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ. Right here on Evidence and Answers. Yeah.